You are listening to the Blockchain Dialogues podcast. All views expressed on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as financial advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blockchain Dialogues podcast with your hosts Krishna and Nikhil. In this podcast series, we analyze various cutting-edge technologies and projects in the field of blockchains, DLTs and cryptocurrencies. NFTs, which stand for non-fungible tokens, can be described as the number one trend in the past year that took the crypto world by storm. From providing a means of ownership of digital collectibles to easy portability with tokenized versions of real-world assets, NFTs have the potential to play a crucial role in the new blockchain-powered digital economy. To look at NFTs in greater detail, we have with us today David Lukacs. David is the CEO and president of Liquid Avatar Technologies. Liquid Avatar is a Canada-based tech company that focuses on the verification, management and monetization of digital identities. David, a very warm welcome to you on a show from Nikhil and myself. Great to be here. Thanks, Krishna and Nikhil. It's uh it it really is a pleasure to be here. So, uh to start off, could you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh you've been a serial entrepreneur in international marketing. So uh could you tell us about how you got involved in the crypto and NFT space and uh, your journey up to co-founding Liquid Avatar? Sure. So uh wow, it's been a long journey. It's been almost 35 years. So I've been around since uh we were key punching on cards. So um I I really had an affinity for computer technology while in university. And while I was doing a business degree at the University of Toronto, I actually started a project in the print and marketing industry and uh decided that that was where I wanted to stay and uh so I combined print and marketing technology with computer technology and by the early 90s had landed into this newfangled thing called the internet and uh decided that uh it would be really cool to open an internet mall in Canada but uh the banks in Canada wouldn't let anyone do e-commerce so um one to never take no for an answer my team and i decided that we'd build this application with allow Canadians to uh input credit cards on the internet and uh we worked with visa and mastercard and a couple of the banks and uh lo and behold a couple of years later we had this new technology and uh people then told me no one would ever shop online so i thought oh wow that's pretty weird i think everybody's going to shop online and uh it it started going really well and then unfortunately the tech wreck came and i decided that i i sell my company and and move on and and i did took a couple of years off and uh uh really came back after a stint in marketing uh helping nonprofits really raise a lot of capital i decided to open an incubator and from the incubator developed a number of technologies took another company public and um in 2015 16 i decided that that part of the journey was over and uh wanted to get into something new So by 2017 I was looking at the blockchain and crypto industry but not from a standard um mining or um development of crypto uh itself but really from how the blockchain and compliance and liquidity would work and so we started focusing on digital identity and lo and behold liquid avatar was born a couple of years later and we're really in the digital identity business and and why NFTs Well, you know, when we talk about liquid avatar, well, we talk about creating avatars or uh digital images that represent certain facets of your personality. And those were all born as NFTs. We decided to make some changes along the way because we we started using 
private blockchain to support digital identity. But um, given my background in, in projects in entertainment and sports and other areas, people started calling us about NFTs and we decided that we'd open Oasis Digital Studios to really support the creation of, of NFTs. So that's the long-winded story. It started, it really started in university and print and marketing and then really kind of progressed itself through to crypto and blockchain and NFTs. And that's how we got here. Fascinating. I, th- I think you're being a little modest. I, I, I seem to remember you had produced uh, something, uh, as a, an Emmy winning show, right? Yeah. You know, along the way, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, it, it, it's, you know, a, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, which is a really old um, comedy monologue. And uh, so during during my stints in certain technologies, I got the opportunity to create technologies that were used by a whole bunch of different companies like Disney and Fox and IMDb and uh, um, some of the music industry people. And uh, so I was asked to help produce a television show for the New York Yankees and became an executive producer and was nominated for a New York Emmy. But I think my, my, one of my fondest opportunities, uh, aside from being on, on the red carpet for Marvel meeting, Marvel movies, and I'm a big comic collector, was the fact that we helped, uh, Disney release the song Let It Go from the movie Frozen. And that went on to win a Grammy and an Academy Award. And what's even more poignant today is, that it wasn't with Adina Menzel, it was actually with Demi Lovato, who has been a big advocate for the LGBTQ community and 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 other great causes. And um, so, so really, at the end of the day, um, I think we've done some really amazing things, both in sports and entertainment, and obviously in the in the technology and marketing world. Wow! So, so I think that that kind of uh, explains a lot about. The positioning for NFT. I'm not. I, I think you, uh, given your background, you seem to be kind of uniquely positioned at this intersection of media and entertainment and marketing and technology to be able to kind of you know help any one of these groups kind of grok uh, what NFTs are. And uh, yeah, so KK, maybe you want to quite quickly go and discuss what 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 an NFT is. Uh, sure. So yeah, I mean, I was just going to reiterate. You know, uh, being a collector yourself, uh, David, I guess, you know, and with this uh, vast background in marketing and being involved with digital identities, it kind of gives you the perfect mix to see the value of NFTs and what they can mean to people at an emotional level. So so that's great. Moving on, I'm assuming that most people today, uh, in our audience at least, they have heard of NFTs in some way, shape or form. So before we talk about the whole market craze uh, with NFTs this past year, we uh, want to quickly talk about some of the basics of NFTs, uh, at least from a tech perspective. So uh, in blockchains, you have what are called fungible tokens and non-fungible tokens. The word NFT stands for non-fungible tokens. So uh, Nikhil, from a blockchain tech perspective, could you give a quick overview of what NFTs are? Absolutely. So uh, as you pointed out, KK, a non-fungible token and a fungible token. In fact, NFTs, uh, if I think back about it uh, on it, uh, were there uh, even before, uh, even in the early days of uh, Bitcoin, right? So as soon as the Bitcoin project came out, people started thinking about, okay, uh, the use of money as a as a use case for this particular technology, what are the other use cases? And then uh, there was this uh, short uh, experiment into what they called colored coins, uh, which were basically this uh, variation where they wanted to have unique 
tokens, right? So they they called it colored coins at that time. So a token had a unique color and uh, that represented a kind of a unique asset that you could have and own, right? Uh, and uh, then uh, obviously it uh, inha- went further with Ethereum and all of that. And then there was the whole cryptocurrency kitties phase, which I, which I would classify as kind of the first time basically that the potential of NFTs on blockchain kind of got shown, right? Because you had cryptocurrency kitties as a concept. Uh, it's basically, if you look at it, uh, these are I- images of cats that are being traded. But in addition, because of the unique capabilities of Ethereum, you had this particular gamification, right? So you had this additional capability that is being introduced where you can kind of breed the cats together and come up with a new uh, NFT token that was a uh, that you could then basically use for. It. So that was, I think, the first kind of almost like a technology demonstration of the different business models that and the newer business models that uh, you could explore uh, when you think about a digital collectible right and uh, I mean not to uh, move on I'm sure uh, David has uh, his perspective as well well. and uh, David maybe you could talk a little bit about your perspective as to the rise of NFTs and uh, you know what what you think of uh, uh, in terms of the uh, market gap and the market potential that uh, that it has. Well, sure. Thank you, Nico. You, you know, it's really interesting because I am a collector and I, you know, every interview that I do, I tell everybody I'm a comic book collector, which is true. And I also collect a little bit of pop culture art. And if my second passion, my first passion would be as a collector of comic books, my second would be Star Trek. Although most people get to see Star Wars stuff if they look at my background when I do interviews. But uh, so at the end of the day, you know, uh, collectors are really um, passionate about what they collect. And um, you've got to look from a marketing standpoint at, at, at the generational changes. And millennials and Gen Zs are really not into the physicality of collecting or owning cars or owning property. And that's why you see the transportability of, 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 of things like Uber and Lyft and Airbnb, I mean, you know, the old saying is what's the largest taxi cab company in the world that doesn't own a taxi and what's the largest hotel company in the world that doesn't own a hotel. So I think the key phrase is, is doesn't own um, I, from a physical standpoint. So so NFTs sort of fit that perfect intersection. They're new technology, crypto facing, non-fungible. So they are, they cannot be duplicated and they're portable. So if for me to want to show you my comic book collection, I'd have to fit everything in boxes and truck it over to your house and pull them all out. But if I want to do it online and through an NFT, I can quickly and, and effectively show and share something with you from, from just my phone. And when we add things like augmented reality, we really start to add new ways of dealing, dealing with things. So I think the craze is built, if that's a word, but... I think the longevity of things will be built because it fits a modern collectible for a modern world. Great. I think you kind of hit it on the head when you said that, you know, that it, this brings out a lot of new ways of uh, doing things uh, compared to, you know, what was available before. So uh, coming to the work that you're doing at Liquid Avatar Technologies, uh, David, I guess uh, before this, the company was called KABN North America and you recently renamed it to Liquid Avatar. Is that correct? That is correct. 
So, uh, so under Liquid Avatar Technologies, you have uh, Liquid Avatar that provides uh, digital identity solutions, uh, which includes a mobile app for maintaining various avatars, I guess. Uh, and then you have KABN card, uh, which is uh, basically a Visa card. And then you have KABN cash, uh, which is, uh, I guess it's an engagement portal for customer. It's, it's like a cashback rewards uh, portal. Uh, and then you have, then you have the OSS digital studios. Uh, and that is where you're working on NFTs and connecting these different artists with NFT platforms, right? So, uh, could you tell us a little bit more about the company? Uh, maybe how the uh, liquid avatar app works and. Uh, some of the notable artists that you're working with uh, and also uh, if you could uh, give us some insight into the artist's perspective on all of this you know how how are the artists perceiving the this whole nft trend sure sure um so i think i'll start with liquid avatar so uh liquid avatar empowers users to manage control and gain benefit from their digital identity so why is digital identity important um we're starting to see that that if you want to travel if you want to attend certain events, if you want to do things, you're going to have to prove not only that you are you, but that you have certain credentials. And I, I don't want to go into the political motivation of a vaccination or any other issues, but I think what the internet was originally missing was the ability to verify individuals. So by lack thereof, anonymity became a really cool thing to do. But as more and more services are mainlining on, on the internet, there is a need to be able to prove who you are. Um, you know, uh, e-commerce transaction fraud is rampant. It's, I think, a $12 billion industry in North America and over $30 billion globally. And, uh, you know, if you think about fraud, it, it's because I could never walk into a store and say, trust me, this is my card number. I'd have to show my card. I'd have to do everything at that terminal to prove that I am me. I have to have a card. I may have to have a pin or a signature. Some places might ask me for secondary verification if I'm traveling. So I, I can't get on an airplane without proving who I am. I can't, you know, renew a driver's license without some kind of ID. So why should I be able to do things online, take educational exams, um, uh, partake in government services, do very sensitive e-commerce transaction, or even sign into a bank system without being able to prove who I am? So the technology really didn't exist to do that. And with the advent of, of blockchain technology and um, certain protocols like the W3C standards, um, it is more um, likely that in the next three years, you may not be able to use a password and username to get into a site. You might be using biometrics. So when we combine biometrics with digital identity, we get this amazing solution that can prove you or you, reduce fraud, reduce costs, reduce all kinds of things. However, trying to install that into the internet has been, you know, likened to trying to change a jet airplane engine in mid-flight without disturbing the passengers. It is quite a comprehensive uh, undertaking. And so about three years ago, we decided to do this and we put a stake in the ground as a group of companies, including Cabin, which is K-A-B-N, which is really the word bank scrambled, B-A-N-K. If you scramble it up, you get K-A-B-N or Cabin. And, you know, during that time, Liquid Avatar was born because we wanted a way for people to be able to associate their work persona with an avatar and their family persona with an avatar and their gaming persona with an avatar because I am different facets of my personality online and doing different things with different groups. So Liquid Avatar was born. And, and using these new protocols in blockchain technology, 
there really is very little ways for uh, a company to generate revenue using pure SSI, self-sovereign identity. And we really felt that by building a product, we didn't want to charge the consumer for it. We want to be able to give the consumer for it for free. So what we did is we created a system that that uses blockchain technology for identity and uses biometrics to prove that you're a you. And we give one user one account. So only one, one account per user. That's very different than other social media or other um, applications where you can sign in multiple times. And, and because of that, we know that marketers and, and e-commerce sellers and all these types of people want to reach real users. It's very important to them. So we started developing programs like our Visa card program based on our, our technologies. We were able to get Visa to approve us to issue our own Visa card and our cashback technologies and other technologies where based on permissions, a user could get a better deal from a vendor because they're a known user, a real user, but on a permission basis, because you own your identity, you own your data, and we think it's really important that you maintain that. And so we put together a very unique proposition in Liquid Avatar, the mobile app, that, that really is compliant with all the changing regulations that say consumers own their data and really creates an ecosystem that people can co you know commingle where there are they are only real people no fakes no bots no hacks so that's one side of the business and again because we're using these images and avatars it really broadens the spectrum to be able to include um uh, nfts and other types of media so so oasis digital studios was born and oasis is an homage to the oasis in ready player one and so the day we opened up we started getting calls. We just let everybody know we, we're, we're really not doing any marketing or advertising. And a lot of people we know from, from various entertainment and art industries are coming to us. Why? Because we believe in storytelling. So we believe an artist needs to tell a story or talent needs to tell a story. We believe in experiences because consumers and, and collectors want unique experiences. And comic books, I want signed comic books by certain artists. And the collectability. You know, we don't talk about value because we're not into a discussion of value because that's really, in our opinion, a discussion that we shouldn't be involved in. But we want to create as much a collectible value, the ability for one to own it and, and manage and, and really fire their passion. So that that aligns with a lot of artists. Artists want to be able to give their fans the ability to engage on a different level. Because if I'm a musician today, you know, I'm having difficulty, you know, I'm not playing concerts, I'm not going out to venues, I don't sell a lot of music online because there's these sites like Spotify where I can get all you can eat for a monthly price. So there's a lot of reasons that artists want to be involved in this and whether they're sports personalities, whether they're musicians, whether they're film talent, whether they're multimedia artists, whether they're comic book artists, there's so many reasons and when we combine NFTs with augmented reality giving a multi-dimensional experience, along with that storytelling, experiential opportunity and collectability, we're finding that people are just gravitating towards this opportunity. So you, you mentioned three specific things, storytelling, the experiential aspect, and the collectability. Uh, if I were to just you know, pick your brain and ask you, if you were to give weightage, you know, what is most important from an NFT perspective? How would you rate each of the three? Um, it's like starting to rate, you know, if you had children, trying to rate them differently. I think of everything in threes. It's very strange, but 
when I think of our, our liquid avatar program, I think about, you know, when you, when you form a digital identity transaction, you've got a holder, an issuer, and a verifier. And so uh, the same is true. You can't, and I'm, and I know I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second, but it'll make sense. You can't do a transaction at your favorite grocery store or department store without involving, you know, if you're scanning or swiping a credit card, you, it's you, the bank, and the vendor. You can't do it any other way. And it's, it's not a choice. That's the way it works. And I think when it comes to NFTs and collectability, you can't sacrifice one for the other. You have to be able to tell a story. And in some of the most prolific collectibles in the world tell a story. I mean, you know, whether the story is true or it's, it's, it's a mystery. I mean, you know, there are so many stories about the Mona Lisa, right? And, you know, you're the experience that if you've ever seen it, the experience is everyone's in awe. It's like being in a church when people see it. And then, you know, the collectability, very few people can afford to own that. And so, so I think you have to put the three together. I don't think you can, you can separate them. I think you have to be able to tell a story with a digital piece of artwork and artwork takes on many forms. You have to, you have to give the user an experience and that might be um, intrinsic or extrinsic or, and you have to create collectability. You have to create some kind of, of scarcity um, and price mechanism that will cause people to act, um, expeditiously to want to buy that yeah so uh, it's actually uh, i was thinking uh, as you were talking about identity it's it's a pity that this this particular episode is focused on nfts because uh, i had i had a lot of questions on that as well but let's 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 just keep it at uh, nfts for now well it's 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 a reason to invite me back absolutely (laughs) we would love to yeah we would really love to no, Art, my pleasure. This is fun. Uh, so, uh, in terms of uh, the uh, market, I mean, so uh, we know that uh, we have Oasis Digital Studios, and you have Liquid Avatar Technologies, and you have uh, the app and all of that. Uh, what I'm actually curious to understand a little bit more is uh, so uh, you you mentioned you know uh, the various pieces in in a transaction. Uh, I was understand trying to understand where uh, Oasis Digital Studios uh, or uh, uh, kind of fits in the NFT narrative, right? So uh, you obviously had mentioned before that uh, you're not you're you're looking more uh, uh, at the storytelling, the experiential, and the collectability. But there's there's also the the actual technology and the back end and all of that, right. right? And that's on one side. And then there's also the actual art of creation, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the artist who creates it. And and obviously then there's, there's uh, uh, so, so I'm kind of, kind of trying to understand, or I would like you to kind of explain is uh, where does your company kind of fit in? Sure. And uh, where, where it kind of provides value. So Oasis Digital Studios is an agency. So we're there to fill the gap. So it's, it's actually very simple. Um, uh, you know, we deal with, with artists and talents who, who want to enter the market. And, and so, you know, um, everybody's an expert in their field. Uh, while I love, while I love movies, you know, I'm never going to be an actor. While I love, you know, um, certain aspects of sports, I'm not a big sports player. I'm, I'm not a big guy. 
Um, I've done a lot of work in sports because, you know, I come up to the elbows of many of the basketball players and they know I'm never going to play basketball. So, you know, at the end of the day, you've, you've got to pick your horse and ride it. And for us, we felt that the missing piece in the NFT market was that liaison between the, the, the artist and that digital world. There was this ether in between that nobody knew how to navigate. And, and so we work with the artists and the artist management team and we understand that whole world. Um, and we understand the business of music, the business of entertainment, the business of, of movies and so forth and sports. And so we work with those organizations and, and even in, in the food industry, which many cooks are now or many chefs are rock stars. And we work with them to find the best way for them to create and present NFT uh, solutions to their growing market, their growing uh, market segment or their fans. And so that means we have to understand not only their business, but we have to understand the creation of an NFT, how the creation and production of artwork, the creation and understanding of the marketing programs that go with that. Um, uh, and, and that's a very big spectrum unto itself. And then understanding where the marketplaces are, what's emerging, what's new, what's exciting, and what isn't, and determine what the best solution is for our client. And we wrap all of that with the fact that, you know, we manage that process, we pay for that process at the beginning, and our talent receives the lion's share of the money after after the basic costs are covered. So, so it is a very, very good program in our opinion for the artists and communities. And we're getting, we're getting, um, uh, independents, large organizations coming to us because they just need an expert in the field that can help navigate the waters. So, so to play the devil's advocate a little bit, right? So if you think about, uh, blockchains and, and the whole, uh, idea or the value proposition of NFTs, uh, one of the narratives that are that's built around it is the the fact that there's no middleman, right? So there is no person who's in between who's kind of validating the art or whatever. Uh, so uh, the general direction is to kind of get the creator or the artist closer or have a direct connection between the creator and the fan, right? So and this is a general trend that we are seeing even in the industry as a whole. We've got Patreon, we got OnlyFans. There are so many ways in which now creators are trying to sure. kind of directly monetize their audiences. So uh, given that, uh, and given the fact that okay, tech platforms are also in the same business and they're probably going to try and endeavor to make their platforms as user friendly and as simple to use uh, for the artist. Uh, do you see this kind of like your role kind of diminishing or kind of getting almost abstracted away at some point uh, in the future? Because right now, maybe uh, you're like, you're, you're right. I mean, people are still kind of are trying to understand what an NFT is and is confused and that there's value in somebody who knows what, what's going on to kind of uh, bring, uh, bring that in. But, you know, if tomorrow uh, that becomes kind of like part of a common standard or if there is an NFT standard that comes out and, you know, people get used to it, then uh, there's there's less value over there, right? Well, I'm going to use an example. Um, you know, I can I can type in in, in any search engine or, or any major website that deals with the health industry and I can try and self-diagnose myself. But at the end of the day, I, I generally end up going to see a doctor if something's wrong. Absolutely, yeah. 
right? So, so it's not about intermediaries. It's about a team effort. It takes a village to raise a child. Um, you know, uh, artists are used to using teams of support around them to make things work because they want to focus on what they want to focus on. They might be really good, um, at, um, you know, shooting a three pointer from outside the key or the, or outside the paint. The, they might be able to, um, put on a show for 50,000 people in an arena, but they may not know how to navigate airport check-in. I mean, I don't mean mm-hmm. to be facetious, but I've worked with, you know, I remember a very famous hockey player who was a coach telling me that he was in his mid forties be- before he ever knew how to get through an airport. Because he was always ushered through an airport with a team. <laughs> so we're not there to stand between a fan and the artist. That's not our, our position. There is, um, if you remember this company, it's, and it's a remarkable commercial that I remember from many years ago. It, it's a very big chemical company, um, uh, in, in Europe. It's called BASF. Mm-hmm. And where they were really big in the, in the seventies and the eighties were in cassette tape. But or real to real tape, but but they're a very very big company, and they had this wonderful commercial. We don't make the colors; we make the colors brighter. We don't make the plastic; we make the plastic stronger. We don't make the products you use; we make the products you use better. And that's what we do. We're not there to stand between an artist and and their fan. We're there to support those efforts to make the experience that they both receive better. That that's our job. So we're there to uh, brighten the experience, enhance the experience, make it better, give, give the artists and their team choices, intelligent choices and opportunities to ensure that the opportunity for success is greater or the chances of success are greater than they would be otherwise. That's a great answer, David. So, uh, uh, I mean, that's, that's very enlightening and, and you're right. So there, there is that, there's going to be that, uh, that need and, uh, one of the thoughts, uh, one of the other thoughts I was having was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you're, you're publicly listed, isn't it? Uh, you're on the Canadian exchange. We are on the, yeah, we're on the CSE in Canada. We're still gray market listed. Um, but by the time this, this does come to air, we, 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 um, have applied for an uplisting at the OTC markets and we, we do, uh, also trade in Frankfurt. Oh, great. Awesome. So uh, one of the thoughts that I had was, okay, so uh, one is obviously the agency business and you have a business model where you pro- presumably take a percentage of the revenue. We do. So given that you also have this digital identity platform and this technical background as well, do you see yourself kind of uh, ever wanting to kind of expand into becoming kind of almost like a vertical end-to-end kind of provider where you would... Uh, you know, handle the NFT technical side, the blockchain, etc., directly uh, without uh, almost like build your own tech platform, or uh, is that something that you're not not considering? We're we're hesitant to do so, and I'll I'll tell you why. Um, you know, again, I said it earlier. You got to know what you do best. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, you don't go to the symphony to just hear the oboe player. Or hear the percussion section. You go to a symphony because the music comes together with a bunch of professionals to ensure that the, the craft or the art is, is at the top of its game. 
the um when you look at some of the gateways or or some of the um marketplaces that are out there today they're still um uh the weather is successful they're still very early stage not all of them are connected to the blockchain and if you go back to the history of crypto kitties originally crypto kitties were not on the blockchain uh-huh. the the token was on the blockchain but the art was in in a centralized database and that was at the beginning um and dapper has expanded and and you know hats off to another great canadian company dapper labs i mean yep just phenomenal phenomenal rise to success and brilliant brilliant people and and so um we think that today there is more opportunity where we are um, in the supply chain than there is in, in the sell chain. So there's more, more and more marketplaces are opening up and they, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, like a monster that you need to feed. And so we have, what we have is choice. If we have our own platform, we have no choice. And, and we'd have to probably recommend to our clients that they use our platform. But, but when we were agnostic to a platform and we we're testing one right now, um, that we've just gone live on and, and we've got four others that are, that are working with us on new, what I would call gen two, gen three platforms for NFTs. I think we offer our clients, um, and their fans more opportunity by by being agnostic to the marketplace that doesn't mean that our marketing efforts aren't going to create certain um channels that that will be supported but i think marketplaces are um sort of like classified ads in newspapers while they don't really exist anymore you know you could go to any newspaper around the country and place a classified ad or you could use an agent to place classified ads everywhere but that agent never owned newspapers because it wasn't in their best interest to do so yeah, great answer. Uh, so, just to kind of uh, move to a slightly different uh, perspective, uh, have you thought about, or uh, do you have a perspective on the regulatory aspect of NFT? So, right at uh, at this point, obviously, it's it's all on the blockchain. We kind of say that, okay, fine, this is a digital asset. It's on the blockchain. It belongs to this particular person, a, and that is the identity, and there's a public key to prove it. Uh, but uh, there's also a chance or a non-zero chance that somebody takes a copy of that and then posts it again and says that I'm the owner. There is there is a dispute of some sort, right? So uh, have has have you uh, started think about, thinking about in the event of this, how do you actually resolve it? I mean, the general obviously answer is go to the blockchain and see which one is first and all of that, but. Uh, if there's no, uh, my, my, my thought or my confusion about it is you have multiple blockchain platforms. Each one of them basically has a di- slightly different way of presumably saving this, uh, data. Uh, how do you actually kind of uh, distinguish or how do you make sure, make out for sure who actually is the owner in the case of a dispute? Well, you know that the, I think that is there. There's different. Um, I don't mean to 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 divide this into number of different issues, but when I think of regulatory, I don't think of that as regulatory. Um, I think of that as more of chain of custody. So ensuring that chain of custody is in play is is really important. But I will take you back even a few years, where um, in the sports industry, you know, you'd have authenticators, and you still do some great companies that that authenticate and, you know, you've, you, you know, uh, throughout the, the, throughout the industry in sports memorabilia, 
And, um, uh, so, so, and even in comic books, I mean, in comic books, you have CGC and that there are probably, there's a couple other players, but CGC is probably the, the authority in the comic book industry. And, and so you've got to look at chain of custody. Um, and I think that's what you're talking about. And, and so, you know, up to now, there's it, fraud has been widespread. You know, is that really the person who signed the comic book? Is that the person who signed the football? Um, how do you authenticate it? I will tell you that if you go to Comic-Con in San Diego or any of the major Comic-Cons, CGC, the, the authenticator, is on-premise there. And if you go to a booth to have an artist sign something and then you want it authenticated, you better go to the CGC booth first and get a witness that will come over with you while the signature is being done. So there's a lot of ways that you can, you can, you know, make sure that chain of custody is correct. Who was the original seller? Yeah, but that, that kind of works only in the physical world, right? So here we're talking about a digital asset. So it's, it's I agreed. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Um, yeah. The, the, the challenge is that I think we will see more and more authentication of, um, or an underpinning service that will ensure or manage a particular product. I think that's, you're going to have to have some, I hate to say this and, 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 and I could be a hundred percent incorrect here because I will, I will also say that, but you will have some, um, some type of centralized authentication that, that will support it. And that might be for something like a piece of people artwork. It might be Christie's or Sotheby's or, or one of the major auction houses, but mm-hmm. it is kind of very wild west right now because, you know, um, when things aren't on the blockchain and artworks being has been stolen, and we know we saw recently um, one of the one of the marketplaces get hacked, and there was thefts of artwork, and it, it's it's repurposed on another chain. There's going to be issues when when we start talking about interoperability. That might you know take away some of those issues. Yeah, perhaps maybe a, a standard uh, around. How these are right. So, as a standard, is standard centralization or or a central authority. So, I think we're going to see maturity of the market happen. But again, the really great part about the um, the NFT market and blockchain is there is chain of custody. So you can see who had it before you and where it where it originated. So there is there is safety in that if you're going to buy something of some significant value. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, great. I mean, uh, I, one of the, you, you raised the point about interoperability and transferability. And, uh, uh, you know, in, in one of our previous episodes, we had talked about, uh, Polkadot, which is one of, uh, the, uh, interoperability, uh, chains. So, uh, and, and Cosmos is another one which we talked about. And, uh, one of the things that they, they are trying to do is they're trying to kind of, create bridges into the various blockchains so that you can at, at a technical level be able to say okay uh, I have visibility and uh, or I have access to the data in in these various blockchains and perhaps that might be a way to kind of uh, decide right in at from a technical perspective uh, okay uh, this particular nft standard is being used and and uh, this kind of allows you to say okay fine uh, uh, this particular asset or digital asset was added to the blockchain at this particular timestamp, and therefore you can easily tell which block came first, and 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 you can, like you said, get a chain of custody. 
and uh, the, and then then basically it becomes comes down to a matter of okay a legal authority or somebody going and enforcing that um the uh, other interesting one uh, about interoperable uh, blockchains was the transportability of an nft right uh, one of the cool things about an nft is that i can uh, take that token and sell it to somebody else or i can give it to uh, even even basically build a business model kind of like the way cryptocurrencies is built where i have kind of recurring revenue based on it uh, has uh, what kind of major business models do you see around uh, the new nft uh, phenomenon well I, i i love your comments um you know when we look at polkadot and other things we we look at, at at the hope of 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 interoperability i think at this point in time it's just pairings um but you know the challenge is if something is non-fungible how is it interoperable between chains sort of that's the big question mm-hmm. so i can take you know a 10 dollar us bill and change it for euros or canadian dollars or you know uh won or whatever it is okay it's it's sort of fungible in that respect yes but yes. but an nft if i'm sitting on ethereum with an nft how do i get it to another platform without breaking the contract yeah and right like i'm 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 not there yet and and i'm and, and again it's not my specialty but i'm not there yet but would i look at the business models for nfts in the future is you know again i think the standards will become a bit more narrow um i think it's right now it's far too expensive today to to mint a an, an nft on ethereum um you know we've seen for some of the early stage platforms we've seen costs rise um it can be you know a few hundred dollars to a thousand dollars and um you know you can't sell a five dollar item like that so you can't sell if i think of this in in terms of baseball cards or hockey cards or comic books or things that have a low cost at the beginning how do you how do you create that collectible value i mean you know while everybody wants to buy a $10,000 painting and watch it appreciate to $100,000 not everybody has $10,000 Yep. So how do you make NFTs affordable? How do you make them worth $5 and $10 and and those collectible items may someday be worth, you know, $100. I mean, you look at a Honus Wagner baseball card, it didn't cost, you know, $50,000. It cost a penny, two uh-huh. pennies. So, we've got to look at business models that are going to support this. I mean, you you see all kinds of, you know, guides. Um, there's a comic book collector I look at the Overstreet guide for for my comic book collection but you've got Beckett for sports and you've got all these different guides that will help support various um collectibles. So I think there's going to be a broader market um outside of just the pure NFT listing and marketplace but there are going to become specialists that that will um uh rate rank and 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 sort of corral various industries of collectibles. so that there is some secondary market quote unquote advice for those that want to be in the business of of buying and selling nfts and create a truly collectible market i also think that the business of nfts has been around in a different form for many years if i don't know if either of you are gamers but you know i, I i've been a casual gamer for 25 years 
So, uh, you know, uh, fun fact, I've been playing World of Warcraft since it came out in beta. And I had an opportunity to go to the Blizzard campus. And one of the senior people at Blizzard who I was meeting with, who's, who left to go to Marvel games, um, uh, said to me, you know, I'm standing there and he says, do you understand what we do? And I said, well, I have a level 100 Pandarian mark, a monk in World of Warcraft. You know, I said, Oh my gosh, you're, our, you're the people we want to talk to, <laughs> right? Cause, you know, so if you think about games, how often have you gone to a secondary market to buy a sword? Absolutely. Yeah. Or a gun mm-hmm. or buy gold. So are those not NFTs in the purest of forms? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, eBay, eBay will vouch for the fact that they are, they are valuable items. Uh, right. I mean, you know, if you're, if, you know, all you have to do is, is, is go and want to buy a polar bear to ride as a mountain in World of Warcraft and find out that this card that was given away or, or at a BlizzCon years ago is now worth $2,000. So all I'm getting at is we, we've been dealing with, I'm going to change the name from NFTs to digital collectibles for years. Yep. So, you know, it, this has just been an explosion and we're not even, we're not even touched the surface yet because think of all the people who like today we're doing work with May Pang and, and her private collection of her time with John Lennon. But think of all the people outside of the crypto market that could become NFT collectors or digital collectible collectors, you know, because it's once, once it catches on you, you're the broader market will be so large. Um, and, and this gives, this gives fuel to the crypto market because it brings those that have no experience with crypto into the crypto market through something that they understand. Absolutely. In fact, to uh, hark back to your earlier point that you made in the episode about uh, the digital natives, right? The people who are uh, used to just working uh, uh, on, on everything digital. Uh, they also happen to be one of the, the big audiences for games, right? So, so they're, they're also very used to this concept. And, uh, as they become, uh, the, uh, the inheritors of the earth, as I say, the, the next generation that, uh, that becomes, uh, comes of age, they'll try to be applying digital principles onto their physical life, right? And I expect that that trend only to accelerate. So I agree with you that that's definitely something that, uh, that is a big opportunity. So uh, just quickly, I mean, I, I was just looking at the time. We've been kind of so uh, immersed in our discussion. It's almost uh, 50 minutes now. So uh, I uh, just wanted to thank you, David, uh, for, for your time and your insights. Uh, it's been great fun talking to you. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, if we earlier, if we can't talk, talk again about identities, it would be awesome. Uh, it would be it would be my pleasure. This was this was really enjoyable, especially talking to both of you, especially with your expert expertise and focus on the industry. It's it's I don't usually get that opportunity, so it was a real pleasure. Thank you. I would just add, uh, uh, as as Nikhil mentioned, David, this has been a great conversation. And uh, if we look at the larger picture, you know, if there was one big story for crypto and blockchains uh, in the past year, it was NFTs. In our past conversations here at Blockchain Dialogues, we have often discussed where the mass adoption for blockchain and crypto will come from. Uh, and this year, uh, NFTs certainly look like they could be a major catalyst you know, in getting crypto and blockchain out there in the public domain. 
So yeah, I think it's very interesting times and uh, I think it'll be exciting to see how NFTs evolve going forward. Agreed. I agree. All right, folks, that was David Lukach from Liquid Avatar Technologies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play and Spotify. And also you can learn more about us on vcdialogues.com. Thanks again for joining. See you next time.